This is SAFM Sport with Tabiso Musia. Okay, and the CEO of Cricket South Africa joins us on the line. And the Proteas have just won by nine runs, so his timing is perfect here. CEO, good evening. Thanks for speaking to us on SAFM tonight. Good evening, Tabiso, and good evening to your listeners. Eh? Yes, thank you. You must be happy with the result today. Well, I don't have seen that left. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> it was it was quite strange. I thought like we were basically cruising, and then the last few overs it became very tense. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but I'm, I'm glad that like you know they started with a win. You know, it's quite important for us. Like the points that are on, at, at stake here, you know, the Super League, we are still hopeful that we can qualify. <laughs> you know, the old-fashioned way. So I'm quite excited that the boys did pull it off after all. Yes, and hopeful is one thing, but how confident are you, CEO, that the Proteas will get automatic qualifying for the World Cup? Because this series is very crucial for that, for those points table. Uh, you know what? I think if they play all their games and you don't have weather, like, you know, disturbing us, like it almost did today, you notice that the, uh, the game was reduced to 40 overs per, you know, per side, you know. So if, like, weather permits and they actually get to play games, I believe the guys will definitely have a very good chance of qualifying. You can see even the way they were playing today. Mm-hmm. They still want to, like, you know, to make a qualification. They're taking this thing very seriously. So I believe if they do play all the games, then definitely have a good shot of automatic qualification. Yeah. And after this series, then how many more chances does the team have to qualify uh, for, 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 for the World Cup? Because it's not a lot of games uh, left, eh? We will we, we have against England, you mm-hmm. know, the ones in January. And then I think it is the West Indies. I stand corrected. But I think mm. England... No, no, no. England and Netherlands. In- uh, England and Netherlands. Netherlands. So we'll have about five games left. Five uh, games you know, left after, after this after, series. After this series, yes. Yes, yes. yes. That sounds correct. Cause there's a so it's still, it's still, still very doable, especially if we play all those games, like as I yeah. said. And the last five will obviously be at home, you know, so which is always quite good. Yeah. But will it, will it be an, a disappointment or an embarrassment if the Proteas have to go through the qualifying tournament in Zimbabwe? Not an embarrassment to say. Uh, it will be, I think, disappointing, but not an embarrassment. You know, uh, I, uh, obviously with the decision that we made, uh, you know, having a council in the games against Australia, it was always a possibility, you know. So I know the boys are doing everything that they can, you know, to qualify like automatically. But, you know, they are professionals. They know that if they have to go to Zimbabwe and play qualifiers, if it's not an automatic qualification, they take those seriously. Because they definitely want to go to a World Cup, you know. So that's why I'm saying it don't be a disappointment to say. It will be like, you know, unfortunate, but they are professionals. Uh, we'll continue supporting them all the way to Zimbabwe if we have to. Mm. And, and do you still stand by the decision then to forfeit the tour to Australia and, and give up those World Cup qualifying points because you want to start the SA20 League? It was a difficult decision. It wasn't an easy one. But uh, you know what? Uh, we still think that it was the best thing that we could do for, for the long term you know, sustainability of the game in the country, you know. So in that sense, we, we're still comfortable with the division. If we had to make it again, we'll probably still do, uh, make the, exactly the same decision, you know. But as I said, like, you know, the boys are still very focused. They still want to qualify automatic qualification. Hence, even the way they play today, it was quite a nervous ending to it. But you can see that they still want, like, an, uh, like you know, an automatic qualification. But we are realistic enough to say if it doesn't happen, because remember, if one game, as an example, gets rained out, mm. it becomes practically impossible, 
for them to like you know get a tremendous qualification even if they win all the other games mm-hmm. you know so there is that like uh, like you know like uh, realistic uh, expectation that it might be possible that we have to go to Zimbabwe and yeah uh, they understand that you know yeah. something that we'll have to do if we do that but I think for now as I say if we play all the games I'm quite confident that they'll be able to win all of them. Yes, and then so it sounds like then see, oh, you've put all your eggs in one basket here of the SA Twenty. You talk about long-term sustainability and how important this tournament is. Just, just explain to the listeners what's the importance of this tournament that you've actually put everything on hold, even the series against Australia, so that you can focus on getting this SA Twenty off the ground. No, there is. I think it's unfair for people to see like all our eggs in one basket. I think, like, you know, a, a complex organization like this and such a massive organization, it's quite key that you diversify your revenue streams. You know, it's not like we've got all our eggs in the leak basket, but it is quite one of the very important eggs that we basically have, mm-hmm. like, you know, in this basket of trying to diversify revenue. Because what we've realized over the last few years, uh, just depending on bilateral credit, was always going to get us into trouble. So bilateral trade will always be quite key and important for creating South Africa and globally, you know. But we needed to put other, like, you know, sources of revenue into this port. Otherwise, it was going to be quite difficult for bilateral on its own to sustain cricket, you know. So that's what I'm saying. It's not all one election, like, you know, all our, all our eggs in one basket with regards to the league. No, it's basically mm-hmm. a, a, a way for us to try to diversify the revenue so that we can basically make sure that trade in South Africa is more sustainable. While so basically having something on over and above the bilateral like you know obligations and bilateral revenues to sustain to sustain the sport. So the league is quite important, but bilateral will always be very important for us. Mm. So the league is important for money. Is is that, is that the reason for the league is gonna bring money to South African cricket? It's going to contribute, yes, to the sustainability of South African cricket. Mm. Not that on its own it's going to basically ensure sustainability because mm. as I said, bilateral are quite, are quite important. Our sponsors and commercial partners are still quite important. Mm. So the league basically is going to assist us to make sure that, you know, we've got a diverse, uh, we've got diverse revenue streams that are going to ensure our sustainability. So the league is quite key in that sense, yes. Mm. And what are the projections then? Do you have a target? Do you have financial targets for this league? Yeah, uh, I, I think for us, uh, you know, I think the benefits for the system will probably come long after my, my, my contract is ended. You know, if you think of the IPL, uh, the IPL really took about 10 years uh, for it to really, really start contributing significantly into the financial coffers of the PCCI. The talent, though, and the pipeline obviously grew like probably a few years after IPL started. But like the financial coffers of it, if you recall, like a few months ago, they sold our media rights for $6 billion. You know, I don't expect that in 10 years' time we'll be selling the SA20 media rights for $6 billion. But, I mean, if we actually can sell them even for 5% of that, that would be a significant amount of money for us, you know. So we do understand that it, it is quite a long-term play, but we have to invest into the long-term, you know. So, but the good thing about it is uh, at least it won't be draining us money. You know, it will definitely be breaking even from year one, which is actually quite important, especially if you consider that this will be the third time we're trying to have like a Premier League. Mm. You know, and, and you, you know, the previous two, obviously, for one reason or the other, like did cost us quite a lot of money, you know. But this already from year one, it will be breaking even, which is quite key for us. But I think for me, I always tell the guys that I don't expect it to move the needle in the next five years, as an example. It will be contributing just, you know, at least it won't be costing us money. 
it will still have like some positive contribution. But I want something, I want the lead to move the needle for us, like, you know, IPL is doing for the BCCI. And obviously that will be definitely way after my contract has ended, you know, which would be good, you know. Yes. So, so yeah. for the benefit of our listeners, then who who owns the league? Can you just explain just the structure then? We are basically the majority shareholder of the league. The CSA. You know, CSA were the majority shareholder of the league. Yes. Mm-hmm. We, yeah. So it's basically, then we've got uh, two minority partners. Obviously, one of the one of the one of which being SuperSport. Mm-hmm. So we are the majority shareholder of the league. Yeah. But it is a separate company, obviously, that runs it. You know, so we're basically shareholder of it. And then was it intentional to have to have uh, the teams owned by the IPL franchises? How did how did we get to that stage? How did that come about? No, I think we were hoping that to get global interest in the franchises. But to be honest, we were hoping that probably one or two teams, at least one, but hopefully two teams would be locally owned, you know. But uh, you remember that we did invite, uh, like, you know, submissions for yes. like, you know, franchises. And we did get a number of, like, interests. Unfortunately, when the evaluation has been done, because it's like basically like an independently done evaluation, which had set criteria, you know, like in a tender, as an example, would be set criteria that you had to meet. The IPL guys were like head and shoulders about everyone else. And we did have like interest from like, not just India, like Pakistan, like, you know, London, mm. even South African entities. But when the assessment were, were being done and the assessment were done by like an independent accounting firm, you know, so that we just ensure that there was no accusations of favoritism and stuff like that. The ITL guys were just head and shoulders above everyone else, you know, in, 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 in everything, in everything like that was basically being assessed, whether financial, uh, commercialization, or even developmental, uh, you know, so it, it was just head and shoulders above everyone else. But I think when we started, we were hoping that at least one, but ideally two entities, franchises will go on that South Africans. But, you know, as I said, this process has been independently done. Like those guys were just head and shoulders above everyone else. Yeah. yeah. And on that note, then is there no danger see, of it being a mini IPL then instead of a unique South African 20 competition? I think the, the, the guys understand that it's quite important that there's affinity of South Africans to this thing. So hence, even the team's names, you know, they might be from Chennai Super Kings as well, as an example. But when you come locally, it has to be a Jodex Super King. So all of them understand that they have to bring, and they, they, they basically have to get, uh, like, you know, the love from South African fans, you know. So they might be owned by, like, you know, like IPL, uh, like, you know, owners, as an example, but they're not mean IPLs in South Africa. They want to create South African franchises. You know, it's like Coca-Cola. Coca-Cola is an American company, but I don't think any one of us when we drink Coca-Cola now we think that, oh, it's American. You know, it's just part of South African culture. So all of them, like, I think they understand it's a long-term investment for this. They're investing a lot of money to like to build that affinity to those brands and to be seen as South African brands. Mm-hmm. You know, that might have sister sister franchises in India, others in Caribbean and everywhere else, you know, but they want to bring, uh, to build South African uh, brands, you know, and they, they're investing a lot of money to do that. So they do understand the importance of that. Yeah. But but South African cricket is unique, because, especially because of our past, you know, and the reason I'm saying that is that there, there doesn't seem to be guidelines or regulations from what we had about this SA20, like transformation targets or making sure that the young SA talents comes comes through. Then why, why is that if this tournament is supposed to have South African affinity? Uh, you know, to be honest, remember it, it was the first time we actually even had an auction. In the past, it was, pro, it, it was more drafts. 
So I think there were some expectations. Uh, we thought the system basically like would be mature enough. Uh, and for one reason or the other, like you know, it, it did happen as, as it did, you know, purely because it was an auction, uh, you know, set up that was followed. And you are correct; there were no transformation targets. It wasn't like an oversight on our side. We thought that we had done enough, like you know, to to have players like would be chosen and be quite competitive, like during that auction, you know. So I guess for us, it's still basically to to try to understand what came out. I mean, Susanna Makala was in board for five million because he's a black player, you know. He was bought for five million because he's a brilliant player who's done brilliantly like over the last few years. So we want we want to understand exactly like, you know, what is required. Is there some like, you know, do we actually have to look at ourselves in the mirror to say, okay, what still needs to be required to make sure that the number of black and specifically black African players increase? But remember this is the first year of this tournament. This is a long term tournament, you know. So we did see what happened. So it's quite important for us as a system to understand how to actually ensure the number of play players increase uh, over the uh, like over the coming years, like whether from next year and beyond, you know. So it's basically us then to understand what needs to happen, uh, you know, to, to get those numbers to go up. But as I said, like you know, there's quite a lot of uh, money that will be coming into the system that will also assist with our development and ultimately help with those type of like you know initiatives that we need to do. But there are a number of players, black players, black African players in this case, who are already in the system. So we just need to understand, okay, like where, what needs to happen on our side to ensure that in the next few years they're competitive enough uh, like, and their numbers can increase. Because the auction system, like I think, is still definitely the better. It was quite exciting. Uh, it, it went down very well globally, you know, which is quite important for, for the league as a product, you know. But we still need to understand, okay, how do we actually ensure that there's far more players, black African players and black uh, black players in the system, like you know, who will benefit from this from this from this project. But as I as I said, this is not like a, a once off tournament, like a World Cup that is every four years. This is basically the start of like part of a new, you know, uh, uh, event or pr- project in our in in, in in our cricket system in South Africa. It's a long term play, so we have to understand just because the first year. When this way, we just need to understand and see what what plans we can come up with that we increase the number of like as I said, black African players and black players in general. Mm, but it does seem like it was an oversight, CEO. I mean, the no. reason the reason we have transformation targets is not because black players must play, even if they're not good enough. Mm. It's because that they must be picked, because we know that from our past, even when they were good enough, they were not given a chance to play until we had these targets in place. So so I don't agree that it was not an oversight. I think it was an oversight that there are no targets in place here, and that's why we only have six black players in this auction. And my fear is that it's going to lose credibility to the majority of the country here at this tournament because of that. Not as it was not an oversight. As I said, like remember, there's been a quite a term target in the system for quite a while, and with the number of players that are required, uh, like for the auction itself, and the number of black players that are currently in the system, we did we thought that the system would be able to, like you know, absorb. But you can't think with our past. We can't just think. That's why I'm saying it was an oversight. That's why we have transformation targets in place and measures. There were lessons that were learned. Even if this thing was a like a draft system, it's very easy to have done that. But purely because it was an auction system. So this that's one thing there were lessons that were learned. And we'll see how it basically improves. So next year the number does definitely look better. 
purely it was if it was a draft system, it's very easy with a draft system to put players and say you choose from this place six players per per like you know per 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 per, per, per group or per you know it's very easy to do that. But with an auction system, obviously it became far more complex. But we do we did see what happened. This is the first year that we basically ran this type of an auction. So we we need to see over the next twelve months how do we actually ensure that the numbers increase. But it was definitely not an oversight. And it was maybe a good thing so that we can actually understand where the system is, you know. And the system basically did show us that, okay, despite everything that we've been doing so far as transforming, like, you know, the game over the last few years, clearly there's still a lot of work that still needs to happen. Mm. So is it a concern? So it was like, it was also maybe like, yeah, you know, a sense check for us. Mm. So that we are not in denial. Like, so it was good in that sense. So we actually understand that there's clearly some... A lot of work that still needs to happen, despite the amount of work that CSA has done over the, like the last two decades, as an example. But clearly something still needs to happen. We really also need to review what we've been doing for the last two decades to make sure that it actually gets better. So in five years' time, we're not still talking about the same issue. Mm. You know? okay. yeah. for those so just... it, was, it was a good sense check for us. So it was not an oversight mm-hmm. <laughs> at all. Okay, so we are speaking to the CEO of Cricket South Africa. For those who've just tuned in, Mr. Pulitzer Museki, just talking about a few matters. Uh, They've got a lot on their plate here as Cricket South Africa, including the search for a new coach after the World Cup. We'll just take a break and we'll come back after this break. By the way, Man United are 1-0 down against Omonia. What is this team even called? Katlejo Omonia from Cyprus are leading Man United 1-0. This is SAFM Sport. Okay, we do welcome your voice notes, 0614104107, if you have any questions for the CEO of Cricket South Africa. Just another one, CEO, on this SA20. Graham Smith is the league commissioner. How did that appointment come about? Uh, I guess as partners, uh, as I said, we have a majority shareholder, but we do have, like, you know, other minority shareholders. Uh, when we said, we thought that, like, basically, he had the attributes that he basically needed. Uh, to make this league a success, you know, like he had a profile, uh, he had whether in the playing, cricket playing uh, universe or the commercial universe. So we basically were quite comfortable to that there would definitely be a proper, proper appointment for the league when we met uh, like as partners for, for the company itself. Did he apply? Was the job advertised, the position? No, it wasn't advertised. Uh, he started... We started working on this project, obviously, last year at CSA when we started engaging with, and we were still part of CSA. So when it was myself and him, obviously, representing CSA when this thing, we started the group engagement last year with this partner that we ultimately signed with. So when we basically were ready to actually formalize the, the relationship and have a company, I think all the partners were that you know what, he, he was the appropriate uh, uh, like candidate to continue running this thing. You know, so all of us were quite comfortable with that. Mm, but are you not running into the danger of what happened when he was appointed DOC and there was an uproar about how his appointment came about? Because <laughs> there were no, because said, there were no processes followed. Yeah, but I, I think that that is something that's different because in this case there were processes followed. The big company processes were followed. I think the partners basically agreed that you know what this person. He started working on this thing when he was in CSA with me. It's not like I was going to jump over and go to the league, you know. Uh, so it was, I think all the parties within the company itself agreed that, like, you know, he was the appropriate person to continue running with this thing. And then what's the motivation of having Supersport as the main broadcaster? Or, and, and a partner, sorry. Uh, partner and main broadcaster. Uh, you're, you're correct, that's a pose. I, I think, to be honest, when we started those engagements, uh, 
Remember what killed uh, the two editions, the previous editions, was like lack of a proper broadcast partner. So we're never going to start this process if we didn't have, like, you know, that, that, that part at least secured, you know, uh, that part secured. So when we started engaging, they were actually quite keen, and they were also basically were like, you know what, we do, because there was that sense that after the two, two editions, SCSA, we didn't really have the funds uh, to go big on this project. So they basically said, like, you know what, we don't only want to be like a broadcast partner. Maybe there's one who can actually be a shareholder and put in some money. And that was basically, that gave us the comfort to actually dream big. Because I think before then, we were still more worried about, like, you know, the two previous editions and we had limited funds that we could really spend on this project. Everyone understands why it's important to have a premier T20 competition. You know, if you look at the cricket world, you know, but with everything else and like, you know, we're like probably more circumspect and probably more worried that we don't have like that type of leeway to spend the type of money that we spent previously, you know. So Supersport, at least having closed that initial part of the broadcast, they also were like, you know what, we, we can see that you guys are probably still scared or you don't have the funding. What, if you are happy, we can come in as partners. And basically then at least we'll, at the very least, make sure that the losses are covered up until the, the company starts, starts making money, you know, whether through shareholder loans and stuff like that. And to be honest, that was actually what allowed us to dream big. So instead of doing some little uh, tournament, T20 tournament, we could actually start dreaming big and saying, we've got now the capacity to actually target the number two sport after the, after the IPL, which is what we did, yeah. And and we know the GL didn't get off the ground, but what was wrong with the Mzansi Super League being on SABC where it can be accessed by millions of people more than the eyes that you'll get on Supersport here in the country? I think exactly that problem because you know any you know sports uh, broadcast is the lifeblood of any sporting federation or sporting code. So the biggest challenge it was really what killed the two editions was that we just didn't have enough broadcast revenues to run this thing. And we ended up incurring massive losses, like, you know, to run this thing. And unfortunately, it's the nature of the best, you know. So if you're going to, if someone is going to give you money, they expect some sort of exclusivity as an example, you know. As a business was a brilliant partner, but unfortunately, as you'd be aware, it just never had money to invest. And without that money, this pro- project was always going to be a drain to us. Hence, we actually had to turn it. You know, so uh, and that's really the the, the reason. SABC were a brilliant party to us, and like, but unfortunately, they just never had the type of amount and money that is required to make this thing a success. So, so, so money is the object, only objective of this tournament. It's not even about making sure it's accessible to millions of people, making sure that uh, uh, those who can't afford to that pay subscription fees can. That's unfair. That's unfair. Because you can't say money is the like. Unfortunately, you need money to actually create this type of tournament. And as I said, MSL, it was brilliant, but it collapsed because we basically just couldn't afford to have it. And that's the nature of any any product, you know. MSL was brilliant for us, but we just couldn't afford to, like, you know, to continue with it. Because, we could, like at CSA, we, we just didn't have unlimited funds. You know, CSA's financial position there has been for the last few years. You know, so if you don't have someone who actually is going to put money into this type of thing, they can happen, which is really what happened. 
Yeah, what I was trying to say is that sometimes sport is more more than just about money. It's also got the power to inspire to inspire um, uh, a kids, you know, that want to play sport. And if they're not able to have access to these games and they're not going to see your SA20 on SABC, then what's the point if it's not about money? No, I agree with you. But I've been finding that balance is definitely something that is the most difficult thing to do in this type of environment. Hence, we're still the only major federation that still sells, when we look at our bilateral rights, that, that, that is our intentional rights. We still sell those to both SABC and Supersport to try to deal at least with that part of access that you spoke about. All the other sporting federations, remember, the major ones have exclusivity to Supersport, and Supersport only sells to SABC. But it is with us, and it does cost us a lot of money that we don't have exclusivity insofar as international rights are concerned. But we sell to both SABC and Supersport, you know, to try to at least get that balance of having, like, you know, access that you spoke about, like, having, like you know, to try to inspire the broader, the broader public, especially the young ones, you know. So, yeah, so I think that's why, that's why it's quite key, like, you know, we shouldn't look at the league uh, like in isolation. Just remember that there's internationals that are always available to broadcast on SABC. You know, but with this league, this, this league is quite important for us to assist with our own, like contributing to the sustainability, uh, sustainability as I explained. So it's quite important that whether it comes to like the funding that it will give to our development or the funding that will basically help CSA continue into the future, we always, when we like uh, check it, like just remember that part. But I don't see us ever suddenly deciding that, no, you know what, we'll make more money by selling exclusively, like rugby and football, PSL is an example, did to super sport. We'll never do that because we do understand that we have to find that balance. So, so, so for us, for that balance, for bilaterals, we did take that decision even long before I started, and we still continue with that, mm. that we'll sell to both SABC and super sport. So SABC doesn't buy cricket games from super sport. We sell directly with them. And we sell directly to them, you know, to try to get that balance right of like, you know, like, you know, access to, to the game. Mm. So, so will the SA20 games be shown on SABC or not? Or are they just exclusive to Superspot? No, I, to be honest, I'm not sure. I don't think so currently. Uh, that, but I guess it's something that Supersport and SABC can probably negotiate separately because for local, for local, uh, for local broadcasts, those rights are owned by Supersport, which is different to the internationals. Because the internationals, as I said, those we sell to both SABC separately and Supersport separately. But for the like SA20 itself, the rights are owned by Supersport. So I guess they can negotiate with Supersport. But to be honest, as I said, for me, it's quite it's always very important that it is the internationals and all the internationals, whether Test, ODIs, or T20, that South Africa plays. Those will always be on SABC. But we'd also like to see the SA20, so those of us who can't can't afford subscription fees as CCO. And that's why I was talking about regulations that were put in place or not put in place before this tournament. No, no, I I, I would really hope that SABC and Supersport can come to some sort of agreement. Especially maybe even if it's for the knockout games and like, you know, knockout. I'm I'm hoping they can come to some sort of agreement Mm. and, you know. So they, they do, like, I do hope that they can happen, even if, like, you know, clips and stuff like that, mm. you know. And then yeah. just the last one on the broadcasting, what happens if there's an mm. overseas broadcaster like Star India or somebody now interested mm. in buying these rights now? Have you not put yourself in a corner here by having a broadcaster as also a shareholder? No, 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 no not at all. Because remember with us, uh, we normally sell our broadcast rights globally. 
but we, we sell them by territory. Like Supersport will own Sub-Saharan, right? Sub-Saharan Africa, right? And then we'll sell the India and the subcontinent rights separately. We'll sell the English, English rights separately, Australian rights separately. So that's how it is, Kelly. So we don't sell global rights. So we'll sell them per region, you know. So we can literally have about five, six broadcasts, broadcasters just for different regions. Of, the, the, S, of the SA20? Of the SA20. But mm. even, even with our bilateral, that's how it works. Mm. So it's only in, in South Africa where we basically have both the public broadcaster and super sport, you know. But everywhere else, like for Sub-Saharan Africa, so we would have sold those to, outside South Africa, we would have sold those to super sport. For India, we would have sold them to Sky as an example, then Sky in the UK. So that's how basically it works. So we don't sell them to one broadcaster and then they suddenly no. We own our rights in the sense that we sell them to different regions. So even the league is the same thing. Supersport only bought the rights for Sub-Saharan Africa. But for outside Sub-Saharan Africa, it's, it's free for all, basically. People can come and make offers for those. But guys from overseas can't come and make offers for sub-Saharan rights. Supersport owns those. Those, those. And to be honest, there's never really anyone, even for ICC, if you notice, for mm. ICC rights, for ITF rights, mm. it's only Supersport that owns them for sub-Saharan Africa. There's quite a lot of competition outside sub-Saharan Africa, but within sub-Saharan Africa, there's really not much competition. If you notice, for ICC as well, it's Supersport, for IPL, it's Supersport. So normally that's how it is, like, you know. Okay, see. Oh, let's just hear yeah. what some of our listeners mm-hmm. have to say as we wrap up our conversation with the CEO of Cricket South Africa, Mr. Pulitzer Museki. Tabisa, good evening. Libra here. I have a lot of questions for the CEO, but I'll only keep it to two. Um, the first one is about the FTP. The FTP was released in August, and the big concern, and it was a big talking point, I remember the protests, we're in England during that time, and we only play 28 test matches over the next four years compared to England who play 43, and India who play 38, and Australia who play for one or 42. And tell me, so we've spoken about this even with the chairman, Lawson Naidu, when he came in and he said he will fight for the protest. Uh, for equity in terms of the allocation of games and it seems like this trend is continuing where nations outside of the big three are playing less test match cricket because they can't afford to host test match cricket can you just explain the reasoning behind us playing less test match cricket because it seems like to us you are prioritizing the sa20 and then two when it comes to the domestic game um as well, women's cricket. Um, what are your plans for women's cricket? Are you planning to establish a women's SA20? And also the, the, the domestic game. I see that there is a big drop in terms of, t- of the matches that are played. Uh, why is that? Thank you. Good evening, Tabis. It's Mandilake in Deep Salute. I just want to ask the CEO, how prepared are they to, um, to, 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 to be transparent about the revenue, about the monies that we're always told about uh, about this league that is coming because it seems like they're putting everything on hold and this league, this league is trampling on on things like uh, transformation obligations. Uh, this league, uh, even the Proteas, the ODI World Cup is put on hold because they are saying there's money in this league. I've had this even with Soccer World Cup and I don't see what help did it do. So uh, how prepared is he to be transparent about everything that this league, in terms of money and what that money is going to do? I, so I granted I got the interview, said it fell, but honestly speaking, you are being too hard on the CEO for nothing. 
If I was coming from outside with those millions, I would never buy Andile Petrugayo. For what? I would never buy a Temba, even now as a captain. For what? Now you want to talk about oversight and all those things. Hi, man, come on. There were so many players who were bought for millions. And then and, and, and the, and the, the issue was that they were producing results. We are living in a world whereby we are dealing with results of Prawak. So let's talk about how we make sure that our black players produce those results consistently. And stop being uh, very, very, very hard on the CEO. Except from Rustenberg. Hey, Tabiso. Yeah, the only, the only thing I can tell you, my man, is that where there's Grime Smith, there's racism. Where there's Grime Smith and McBoucher, there's racism. That's all I can say. Cheers. Fondo, yeah. Okay, um, yeah, you clearly joined the conversation midway because we didn't mention Temba and Andile Petlukoy specifically. We're speaking in general here just about the lack of black players in this SA20. But we're going to take a quick break and we'll let the, the CEO respond before we let him go to some of the questions. This is SAFM Sport with Tabiso Musia. Okay, thanks for the voice notes. Uh, CEO, I'm going to try and squeeze them in and maybe you can squeeze in your answers because I know we've kept you longer than we've agreed <laughs> on and we really appreciate your patience, but you can understand there's a lot of interest there, lots of cricket fans. There was just a question about the, just what's happening with women's cricket. I know we've got a World Cup next year. The build-up has started nice and early. I had Lara Goodall speak uh, this week, which is good to see, and the fixtures actually came out earlier this week. Just in general, what are the plans for women's cricket? You know, that's actually quite exciting project for us. Uh, the last few years, there's been quite a lot of uh, investment in women's cricket in the country, but it actually got to another level. I think you might know that for the last few years, we've been offering 15 nationally contracted, uh, we had 15 national contracts mm. for pro-tier women. Mm. This year, 1st of May, this financial year, we actually added 40 contracts, uh, you know, 30 semi-pros, and 10 high-performance contracts, which is quite exciting. Because basically now we've literally increased the number from the 15 that was national contracted to about 55 now. They are that are currently contracted at CSA member level, you know. So there are massive plans like for, for women's cricket, you know, with the World Cup that you spoke about. But I think your listener also asked about SA20 Women's uh, League as well. Mm-hmm. That is definitely something. That is definitely something that is on the cards, mm-hmm. uh, and it won't take too long. Uh, like it did in the IPL as an example. So we're hoping to launch one probably two years from now. Like you know, like so we definitely that's definitely on the cards. Obviously, we need to have like a broader base of women. Hence, this contract that I spoke about earlier are going to be quite key. That to have like you know a broader base of players uh, uh, from from like you know our girls and women, basically. Mm. So it's definitely, definitely on the cards. So within the next two years, we'll definitely have like the women's version of the SA20. And then there's a question on social media, but why are the Proteas not on SABC when they're playing now? And you're saying that the SABC can also bid for rights for the national team. Yeah, uh, you know how it works with cricket. We own the rights for local games. So the games that we host, when India and all those guys come to South Africa, those are our rights. So if they play in India, those rights belong to the host country. So the host country will basically negotiate with the broadcasters like we do like internationally. So they do the same thing. So unfortunately, we can only control when we are hosting games in South Africa because when we're in India now, we don't own those broadcast rights. So the PCCI will negotiate with broadcasters from around the world. So I guess they would have probably negotiated with 
a super sport as an example. So the rights that we own is only when basically we are the host country, you know. Okay, and then the last one, you're going to have to make some big decisions after the World Cup, finding a new coach. How is that going? And there has been, there has been talk. Actually, I did read an interview you did with the City Press that you could be looking at having two coaches for the limited overs team and the test team. Is that correct? That is correct. The, the DOC basically has put up that proposal. We should be going to the board soon, uh, I think to actually connect to them and to the board. And should the board support it, then that will definitely be the, the route that we take. So it's put up a proposal to basically go that route. And it makes sense considering, you know, the nature of bilateral cricket. You know, the way everything has changed, we've got like a white ball event every year as an example. But even the, like, you know, the thinking, the strategies behind the two, the, the, the formats are totally different now. So he has made a proposal to pre-com pre- of ours and then it will be going to the board and should that be accepted, approved by the board, that the route will be taken. Looking locally overseas, does it matter? I don't think it matters yet. <laughs> I don't think it matters. <laughs> but we'll definitely be, we're hoping uh, we'll get all the necessary approvals within the next two weeks or so. And then we can advertise as soon as possible. You know. Okay, see, oh, thank you very much for your time and your patience and for engaging with us tonight on uh, SAFM. We really appreciate uh, the time that you've taken to speak to us. No, it's a pleasure, my brother. Thank you for having me. Okay, thanks. Let's hope they win this series so we don't have... I mean, it's not a bad thing to go to Zimbabwe, but we hope we can qualify automatically, yes. right? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, thank you. Of, of thank, cricket you. thank you, Africa. my brother. Thank you, sir, thank Mr. Puletsi Museki. They're speaking to us about a lot of matters that we thought we should get out there and, and, and try and get a better understanding because we didn't know how the league commissioner was appointed. Now we know he was handpicked, clearly. Uh, no processes uh, were, I mean, th- the job wasn't advertised. And I just wonder if we're not going to run into the same problems as we had last time when Graham Smith was the DOC there. So we thought we should just try and get clarity on these issues. And the SA20, that's, that's left a sour taste in a lot of people's mouths, you know, because cl- clearly it just seems like it's all just about the money, which, which money is needed, rightly so. But you must look at the bigger picture also. There's more to sport than just about money. And these days, sport has just become about business, 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 business. That's why you must pay a thousand rand subscription fee in order to be able to watch the Springboks and the Proteas and all of that stuff. It is really, it is really not fair on a lot of people who cannot afford and who just want to watch sport.